You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Today we get the honor uh, and the privilege to have uh, Commander Robert Bradshaw uh, with us uh, preaching. Now, uh, Robert and his lovely wife Cheryl have been married for 36 years. Uh, Robert is a Navy chaplain. That's right. Uh, She's your better three quarters, right? Is that what you always say? Yeah. (laughs) Robert has been uh, a Navy chaplain for 17 years. Uh, He has served faithfully in that role, and many of you in this room even uh, have been impacted by his ministry as a Navy chaplain. Prior to that, Robert was was in full-time ministry, uh, I believe since 92, right? You've been in some form of ministry which is pretty incredible. He has more experience than Ben and I combined. Uh, so we lean heavily on Robert often uh, because of that. But, but more, more than any of those accolades, I, I know Robert would, would say this with his heart. Uh, this, this man knows Jesus, and it's clear, it's evident in the way in which he uh, loves and leads his wife, and he serves in such a faithful way. And I know many of you in this room who have been with us have been impacted by his life. And so we are we're thrilled to have Robert come and share from God's word. But before you come up here, we're actually going to have a time of prayer for you. Jesus, we are humbled to be in this place of worship today. Lord, to be reminded that we are one body, serving one Lord, united in one spirit. Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for Robert and Cheryl for the impact that they've made on so many lives, countless lives, Lord, not only here in D.C., but around the world uh, as they've served our military men and women so well. Uh, Lord, in in times of combat, in in times of hurt, in times of pain, in times of joy. And Jesus, we pray now uh, as Robert comes and preaches your word, Lord, that uh, the heart that he has for you, Jesus, the love that he has for you would would so compel our hearts to love you all the more. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for the impact that he continues to make here in D.C. through King's Church. Uh, We thank you for the ways in which uh, this couple uh, exemplifies what it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and everything that they say and do. And so, Jesus, we are honored uh, to have them as partners in the gospel here. We are honored to have them as friends, as true friends, of, as, as eternal friends, Lord, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Jesus, would you continue uh, to uh, use Robert and Cheryl as they continue to serve uh, in that capacity with the military, Lord, and continue to use them, uh, Lord, through their small group leadership and through the ways in which they serve King's Church. God, we are honored to have him come and speak now from your word, and we pray that you would be glorified, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Tell you, it's great to be prayed for when you ask military guys to come up and lay hands on you. That could mean all kinds of things. But uh, I'm, I'm thankful that they were godly and, and prayed and didn't pummel me. I want to thank uh, Ben and Wesley, one, for the just to trust with God's word and, and uh, King's Church. This is a wonderful place for Cheryl and I in our heart. As a, I guess the military piece was kind of highlighted there. We move a lot, uh, and so uh, finding a church sometimes can be very difficult, and uh, King's Church has been a blessing. So our passage today comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 26, if you want to turn into your phones, iPads, or the old-fashioned Bible. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. 
And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the, to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the, the wind. Wow, that's a quite uplifting uh, section of verses, right? So how are we going to stay positive in this one? Well, actually, we're going to find the truth out of this aspect. This is just a reflection and I see it as a mini shot of the overall themes of Ecclesiastes. So I'm not going to try to unpack it all, but I do want to mention what those are. So Ecclesiastes is like the teacher, the preacher, and most people think it's um, the author of Solomon. So you read it like an autobiography. Um, there's three overarching themes. Facing the frustrating, perplexing side of life is number one. I'm sure most of us can say, okay, there is some frustrating and perplexing sides of life, right? Uh, knowing and trusting God does not automatically eliminate this. In fact, sometimes it seems to invite this in some aspects. We should not take a naive approach to life. That's number one. Number two is finding joy and satisfaction in life, which the call in the verse that we're going to unpack is eating and drinking. A Southerner is good at that. So we need to face both one and two with number three. Fearing God throughout life, even life under the sun, is not finally without significance. This keeps us from making unfulfilled promises, pledges that can contribute to our feeling that life is empty. The only solution to the apparent emptiness and fleetingness in life in the fallen world is the fear of the Lord. Now, how do we define that? Because am I supposed to live scared? No, not at all. That's not what that means. To fear God is to know him. To stand in awe of him with an abiding faith, and to demonstrate this faith by keeping his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? There's number one, Bradley. Bradley knows me. He said, how much interaction are we going to have? <laughs> if you're in my home group, I, I was a high school teacher. I can pause and wait. <laughs> I have no problems with it. And then there's two foundational concepts which come out of here. You're going to hear vanity. Well, that's 38 times in the overall book of Ecclesiastes. It's more like frustrating, perplexing, fleeting, or chasing after the wind. And I think if we think through that, sometimes life can feel that way. And then the second foundation was under the sun, 28 times in the book. Used more for like life in a world that has been adversely affected by the fall. Uh, by the way, we all live in that, right? Um, where we experience vanity. And the overall teaching, all of life's experiences. Do you believe this? All of life is experiences. You might hear a John Piper video that says nothing is wasted, not even our trials. 
including both the good times and the bad times, are designed by God as an arena in which we have the opportunity to grow in our knowledge and reverence and to express a maturing, obedient faith in him. And so I, I want to unpack the little verse section that we had, and it's going to be pretty quick, so hold on, strap in, and uh, let's see where we're at. Big idea. Got that from these guys. This may shock some of you because it says work is a gift from a sovereign God. Do you believe that? That's important. Work existed before the fall. That's what Adam's job was to do, right? It existed before the fall. In a fallen world, it can seem painful. In a aimless life, it can seem like I don't know where I'm going and what I'm doing. I remember one time when uh, I was faced with three wonderful opportunities in ministry. And we just met with a president of an international uh, ministry who wanted me to run the youth program for that. And I was driving away with Cheryl. And uh, I said, I'm just so frustrated, so confused. And she said, why? Just pick one and run with it. <laughs> because all three were with God. And sometimes I think we look for this magic little hard thing that, okay, door, God, I need, a, I need a magic door only. Well, some of that magic door kind of idea really is what are your gifts, talents, and abilities given to you by God, right? Where has he placed you? And then what goals has he taught you in, in your journey along that way? Aren't you glad we all don't have the same jobs? Aren't you glad we're not all built the same way? Diversity is beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's great. So now we'll go to uh, the first key point is proper vision and proper purpose. So how do you get that out of those verses? that seems so negative. Okay, y'all have them. That's good. So when you look at this right here, it's uh, as you look through 18 through 20, he's hating everything. Why? Because he's leaving it for who? I don't know. And what is this person I'm leaving it for going to do with it? Is it going to be wasted? I don't know. But if I'm so worried about what I'm supposed to leave... Do I miss what God has for me now? All right, we live in a city full of statues. You know, and I remember when, uh, when I first got here, I'm like, who's that? I don't know, who's that? Because, you know, I had some history teachers in high school, uh, some, some who didn't teach history. But um, the fact is, is your goal to just be known in that name thing? I, I wonder sometimes if we're driven to just kind of be recognized, to have a patent, to, to create whatever, um, to do some type of amazing uh, thing and then uh, along the way lose a marriage because I didn't focus on the right things, even though I'm a multimillionaire tech giant. That's just recently this week. So I, I, what is your goal? And I, I think that is the key. How do we have proper vision and proper purpose is knowing who we are in Christ. Proper vision, what is your thinking? What do you do to get up? My, my dad's generation got up because he had, he had four mouths to feed. <laughs> well, including my mom and his six. And we didn't have a lot. And you just couldn't quit back then because there wasn't a lot of things to move around. And his purpose was that drive, his family, but also as, as my dad grew in his faith, and I watched his faith grow as a man, as he was uh, a deacon and leading and just watching him continue to grow even more after retirement, which was amazing. Um, 
the focus when it's God, you can get through seasons at even work that's not fun. That might seem mundane. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Wednesday night, Wesley asked us about our, what are we proud of? And it just kind of hit right here. Are you proud of your accomplishments? Not in a pride way, but do you wake up and say, God can use me today. He's got me where I need to be because this is how I'm wired. And guess who does the wiring? That's God. So the only way to get over what we're going to leave or not leave is our focus and our purpose on what, why we're doing what we do. You know, Cheryl and I, we don't have any kids. So uh, who's getting our stuff? I don't know. Hannah Quigg got in our life really quick here as, a, as an intern. So who knows? She might be on the top of the list how you treat us here. <laughs> I throw, I throw that out. She's, she's back in the States, back from her mission trip, if you, if you want to hit her up. It's a, it's a good story where she was just somewhere I'm not sure I'm allowed to say. Um, but think, think through this. Like I said, work is from God before the fall. And then Solomon, who worried about all this, well, his son ended up proving him right. He kind of went sa- sideways. And then if you look, social, even social science says as people inherit everything they didn't have to work for, there's like two or three generations to where they have nothing. Or they, they lost all morals. Or they've lost all things because the focus and the purpose is not eternal. It is not God. Now, God may choose to make you a millionaire. He may choose to allow you to pay, live paycheck to paycheck. But God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory for whatever path he chooses. And that's why we can't compare. A comparison game would get us. Death is not the final answer for us as believers. Never give up, whatever you're doing. And on this Mother's Day, happy, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. But that means so much sometimes, too. There's people who want to be a mother. There's people who may not have had a great mother relationship. But I will tell you that if you care for people and you care for kids, thank you. Thank you so much. And mothers sometimes get, um, get knocked because they'll say, do you have a job? I never ask a mother if she has a job. <laughs> I might say, do you have three jobs? Um, because you know, they don't get a lunch break and, and things along the line. And what more sometimes is not what, and I, I read this quote this week, not necessarily what I leave as inheritance, but what I raise to carry on a legacy. And so even for those like Cheryl and I who don't have our kids, you invest in people and praying that there will be a spiritual legacy, not so we get a statue so that others know Christ. That's, that's the motivation. Yeah, I, I don't want a statue. It'd be ugly anyways. <laughs> so we go, we go to the second um, point, a proper inheritance. So what does that mean? I, I do want to read that um, a little bit. It says, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom, and, uh, with the wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone. He says it's vanity and evil. Evil in this part is about travesty. Um, and what do we have for all our toil and striving? Well, what are your, what's your focus? Are your days full of sorrow? Is there vexation? You might want to revisit. I wasn't a favorite in the teacher's lounge when I was a high school teacher. I remember eating lunch there for the first couple of months before I banished myself. And I would be around all these teachers, and they would complain about students all the uh, lunch break. And I'm like, why do you teach? And they're like, uh, I, I love math. I love science. I'm like, you love the kids and help them love math and love science. It's, it was, I don't know, it was perplexing to me. It, it was vanity in some aspects. And then I would hear, well, I'm too old to change jobs. I'm like, you're too young to be miserable and make everyone else miserable. 
Find your joy and your passion in what God has put in your life to do. If God's changing your direction, trust that he's changing your direction. You don't have to, to, to worry. The world says we have to worry. Read about the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. I worry too. Sometimes the messages have the most impact on the one who's delivering it. <laughs> I'm not necessarily nervous that I have two pastors listen to me. I'm more nervous that my wife is listening to me because she knows every thought I have and every flaw. And ultimately, I stand before God a little nervous because I'm responsible for what I share. And so that's important to understand. But a proper inheritance, let's just go to God's word and hear what that is. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So be steadfast in what God's called you to do. Don't let circumstances or people tell you differently. Now, I, I will tell you that God has placed me in some places that are, that are pretty amazing, but all of them pale in comparison to be before the very throne of grace. In fact, if you are mesmerized by rank, position, and title, and where, if you're, whether you're on the floor in the Capitol or wherever you might be, get your focus right. Because all of those people are important, every single one of them, but all pale in comparison to the Most High King. And that's who you know. So you can walk in confidence and assurance wherever you go without thinking, well, I know so-and-so, I met so-and-so. I have those conversations sometimes, mostly involved in sports because politics, that's a different world for me. Thank God put me here for a season of pruning when it came to politics. Um, and I'm grateful that God put this message together. One is a thank you and to all the interns and the young professionals and then some of us old beards that are still doing stuff. You, you motivate me because I feel confident in the God in you. That's what, there's someone, you're working in, in areas that I, I don't even want to step into. It's, I'd be like, I'd be lost. You don't want me, you know, you don't want me bouncing your checkbook either. That's, Cheryl does that for us too. Right, Julia? You don't want me to. <laughs> death, and does, death does not rob the Christian life of meaning, ever. In fact, death is a door we walk through. I don't fear death. I don't want to suffer. We don't get that choice. But I don't fear death. It took Cheryl a long time to, to not um, got, get freaked out about that because I can talk about death freely. And uh, I, it's just I'm better off. I won't know what I missed out on. I always wanted to go to jump school. I had a couple opportunities. But I know when I'm in heaven, I won't remember that I didn't go to jump school because it won't matter. It's just one of those things. And so do you trust your eternal path to God in all those things? It's not wasted. Death does not steal the Christian's life of meaning. We are designed for eternity. Later, the author here in verses 311 um, in Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful in its time. I do want to challenge you today to spend some time outside and get lost in noticing God, whatever that means. Maybe get lost in another person noticing God, not in a romantic way, unless that's, you're with your spouse or someone else like that. But I'm, I'm just talking about seeing God. We don't see God enough because we're too busy, and he's there. He's here. He's here in D.C. Thank God. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. That's why people strive for fame. People strive. People in a lost world who don't know Christ are striving. I need a legacy. I need people to remember me. 
I need something to happen. And I'm just thinking, I just want to be an honorable steward of what God has given me and trust in him in the end because I won't know if that happened. I really won't. Sometimes God will give you a glimpse of something that will blow you away and you have no idea how you were used. And those things are amazing, usually in a time where you really need it. And uh, so just trust that those come. Notes here, the heart knows that history is not meaningless, but is perplexed in its efforts to discern the pattern of events apart from God. How, why, 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 why? It's one of our biggest questions. Job asked that question. I ask you, if you've ever read the whole book of Job, did he ever get an answer? No, he did not. He just said, I shut my mouth. <laughs> he trusted God. He stood face to face with God. Our lives change when we meet the living Savior. And the last point here is a proper joy and satisfaction by pleasing God. This is pretty cool. If you, most of us, we've heard, why do the wicked always prosper? It's been asked throughout all ages, right? And we see sometimes it's like, I don't understand how this person continues to get to do this or how this person was promoted on my work and has come along my coattails and have climbed the ladder on the tops of a lot of people's backs. Um, you reap what you sow. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? There's nothing better for a person than to should eat and drink. And that, that is really a metaphor for living life with joy. I think uh, I, I took that too seriously at times, and uh, you know, especially if there's barbecue involved. But it really is living a life of enjoyment with God. This also I saw is what? What did it also say? From the hand of God. If there's any enjoyment, it's from the hand of God. All other things are fleeting, and it's what causes people to chase that next thing. I tell you, when I was uh, stationed in Japan, um, I did a study about affairs. And it was incredible, written from a non-believer about emotional affairs that led out. And people are drawn by that temptation, and they blow everything away. Yeah, I'm not afraid to get real. So the key is they're trading in the truth and the real for a fleeting moment, and they blow everything away and blow it up. God can still redeem that, and I've seen him do some amazing stuff. But we also saw David came back as a man after God's own heart, but the consequences were dire for a while. Don't dabble. Don't dabble in sin. Trust God. Trust God with what he's doing in your work life as well. Don't live life under the sun rules. Under the sun is just, you know, hey, I'm going get, to get mine while I'm here. There's nothing. There's no point. You know, I see this thing going on. I don't know about you, any other like kind of emotional eaters in here? Am I the only one going to raise my hand? So it's kind of like I just have a bad day, and I'm like, whatever, I'll have a cookie. Well, I ate one, I might as well eat six. You know, it's kind of the thing along that line. And so it's, it's just weird, but I can, that's a barometer for me that God is, when, when I'm in tune with God, it's like, oh, that's instead of going to the cookie or the barbecue or whatever it is, I should go to God. And that's, that's the thing, um, that we need to do that. Live for true, eternal meaning in your work life. I tell you, you don't want to be climbing a 40-foot ladder up the corporate world or whatever your world is, and then at age 40, 45, look across and realize you're in the wrong building. And you've blown through family and kids who don't know you. One thing we do in, in, in the military is, as chaplains, we do a lot of counseling. I hear a lot of heartache and stories. In fact, on my little tagline on my email, it says, my ears are graves where people bury their problems and begin to heal. 
That's, that's my little line under my signature block. Sometimes that's a lot to carry if I carry it. If I give it right to God, it's not a lot to carry because he's capable. Materialism, which is a chasing after everything. Now, I'm not saying stuff is bad. Did I say stuff is bad? No, but materialism alone comes from fatalism. That means I, I, I don't think anything's good going to happen. I'm going to get mine. God is the ultimate source of all joy and satisfaction we are experiencing. However great the temporary prosperity of the wicked, here's the truth, those who please God are at, the, are at last the beneficiaries of God's blessings. We experience true joy. If life but is a vapor, I'll take eternity. If I'm missing on something, I'll take eternity on something that's fleeting here. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, 17 years as a chaplain, I had six years uh, enlisted time. That's 23. My Marines told me when I hit 20 that I was working for half pay. But they're true. That's true. Because you're at 50% retirement at that point, And that was kind of hard to hear. Um, but, but the fact is, I think God gave me a lot of time out before he brought me back in. I had no intention of coming back in. But he had to whittle a lot of things out of my life to realize that rank, when you get out, means nothing. Ribbons on your chest mean nothing. And so... Don't get lost in all that. If you get an accolade, be grateful that someone did that. But don't, that doesn't define the Christian. Christ defines you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're holy. You're righteous. You're set apart. You're a child of the Most High King. There is no condemnation for you, so don't condemn yourself. You're more than a conqueror. That's the truth of who you are. No little thing on the wall is ever going to tell you who you are. Not in full enjoyment. Not in full lasting eternity. God's already told you who you are. And that's why, you, that's why some people are going to be blown away by your comfortability with power when you don't like cower to them and you speak truth to them. By the way, that's not fun either, but it's our job sometimes. So what are the takeaways? Am I doing good? Okay. The first takeaway, study the theology of work in Scripture. Okay? God gave us a gift. In some days I'm thinking, okay, this is a gift that doesn't fit. This is a gift that needs batteries. This is a gift that needs to be taken back, you know, kind of like Christmas presents. But work is still a gift, and God has you there, and you just kind of say, okay, I need some batteries. Where do you get your batteries in prayer? All right? Maybe the proper fit comes with an adjustment and attitude. And maybe a return back is you've been gone on the right path so long that God's saying you're in the wrong place. And saying, hey, trust me, I got something better. Do you, do you, when God's changing something, do you really trust he's got something better? Because it doesn't look right, but he does. There's so many people who are afraid to, to step out in faith and do things, um, including me. You, you heard how my wife had to straighten me out one time. Just pick one. Serve God and love him and go. When I want you to hear these quotes. When theology comes alive... Go to Think Night, keep coming here, go to home group. At least we're in the word here. That's the way it should be. When theology comes alive, in other words, it becomes a worldview. So what's your worldview? What's the lens which we look for through? One ceases to merely look at theology. Instead, one begins to look through theology at all of life. Worldview is theology gone public. That's how you walk in confidence and assurance of Christ because you know that you're supposed to be there, even when someone says you might not be. You ever had to stand like that? It's not fun. Here's another one. 
And I love this. I don't know what you believe about the sovereignty of God and how things happen and why things can go bad and, and things can just blossom. You know, Wesley kind of briefly mentioned about um, combat. If, you, if you're asking about Navy chaplain, you want to talk about ships, I have no idea. But if you, if you want to talk about what it's like to be in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and mortared and shot at and all the adrenaline, that's pretty cool. It is weird that that's cool, but it's true. It's an adrenaline rush. Um, or all the, the other side of upwards of over 60 of your uh, men who uh, gave the ultimate price for their country. Uh, that's, a, that's a huge place to live. And so, but even that, so I'll give you one story of Adam Brown. There's a book called Fearless, the only book I'd ever tell you to read about SEALs, which I spent seven and a half years in that community. It's still the only book I would tell you to read about SEALs. Um, Adam Brown died on March 10th, uh, 2010. He loved God, and no one doubted it. He's bigger than life. wasn't a perfect guy, but he was, it was beautiful. Fifteen months later, his entire troop was shot down in Afghanistan on August 6, 2011. Many of you might have read the news, and you know it is extortion 17. Well, those are my guys. Killed at once. There's 30. There's 38 when we count our Afghan, Afghani partners who are human, who are fearfully and wonderfully made a masterpiece of God also. So what can God do with that? That's a lot. I tell you, it's amazing what has come out of the ministries that have come out of there, the lives that were saved, even out of Adam's death, two people that were killed 15 months later came to Christ, trying to figure out why in the world would God take this bigger-than-life billboard for ministry away, and then two people came to Christ. And I sat with one of the widows who was at peace, strange peace, who had, pay, who had been praying mission after mission after mission after mission after mission for years for her husband who did not know Christ. Got saved in May and was killed in August. She lived in peace because she had an eternal mind. So are you thinking now? Are you thinking eternity? And what, what does it matter? Am I weird if I tell people about Christ in my life? And a lot of that's by our actions. Study the theology of work in Scripture. This is it. There is not a square inch over the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign of all, does not cry, mine. All of it. Man, I read that quote. I was like, that is so cool. All of it. All your pain, all your joys, all your processes, all your hopes and dreams, God is sovereign over all rest in that and more than 800 times in the bible the word work or in its different forms is mentioned no offense to nathan and the worship team but that's more than all the words used to express worship music praise and singing combined i don't know why the author of that quote chose that but i thought it was kind of interesting to put that so do not if you're having a struggle with your journey and work the Bible's got the answer about theology and work. Takeaway number two, your work, labor, is not in vain. And I want you to hear this. We all think about, hey, you've got this job, and you're more important than me. And, and it happened really when Rome became kind of like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I call it Christianized, but kind of hierarchized. And so people like Ben and Wesley or I, we're more important than y'all, right? Our jobs are way more important than yours. Uh, no, not true. We all are children of God. In fact, 
We are ministers of the gospel as believers, all of us. We have different roles and responsibilities, and th these two definitely have a whole lot more to answer for because they're sharing in public uh, out of God's word, but all of us matter. The works of monks, this is Martin Luther, who was not trying to create new um, denominations, by the way. This one's called a Reformation. Um, the works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be. So he's not discounting that. Do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household task. All works are measured before God by faith alone. What are you doing? What are you doing? I tell you what, I don't know why my mom and dad chose to do what they did, but my mom stayed at home and raised four kids. All I know is I'm grateful for that. Not everyone's able to do that. The world's changed a whole lot, and there's a whole lot of more pressure for bills and stuff. But, And I'm not judging those who do or do not. I'm just saying sometimes when we hear a quote like that, we're like, well, that's, that's sexist or whatever. Wow, there's no, no more important job than that, that aspect, especially talking here on Mother's Day. As, as the First Lady of King's Church, Miss Abby out there, raising two kids she's got some jobs including wesley and uh <laughs> and she's still here putting up signs in the morning doing all kinds of things for us celebrate her and john calvin said according to the scriptural perspective work becomes a way station of spiritual witness and service now most people read that and go oh i'm supposed to just go around like sharing the gospel let your life share the gospel how do you work how do you take setback when you mess up, how do you own it? There's so many ways of doing the work as we think eternal. In fact, some of the biggest things, one of the things I love most about being a chaplain is I am with my people all the time. Any, I'm not saying our pastors have pretense because they're with us all the time. They probably, I don't know how they do their schedule, but that's not true everywhere. I, there's no pretense for me. They see me in my moods. They see me when I'm, I'm doing well, when I'm not doing well. And I pray a lot that God come through. So that's what I love about that. A daily traveled bridge between theology and social ethics. In other words, work for the believer is a sacred stewardship. And in fulfilling his job, he will either accredit or violate the Christian witness. Yes, what we do matters. How we do it matters. How we go about it matters. Your social media presence and posting and status matter. To God. Not how many likes you got, but to God. And then the last one, first time I heard a pastor say this, I said, that's dangerous. Love God and do whatever you want. Let me tell you what, if you haven't done the first two, that just sounds like uh, I can, <laughs> what's antinomianism? Yeah, let's do that. And I get some, get some forgiveness down. But early on, I quoted a, a verse about, if you love me, what did Jesus say? You obey my commandments. It's not, it just, that sounds so old-fashioned. It's Jesus' words, not mine. So if I love God, and I'm in tune with an eternal perspective of my work and my life and that all that I do, this statement is easy to say. Love God and do whatever you want. And it, it reflects in delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's how it lines up. So wherever you are in your work, because that's just the only sliver I really wanted to hit today that God put on my heart. One, to say thank you for 
just watching so many of you get excited about things that I, some, some of them I don't even understand. But I'm excited because I know God's got his people everywhere. And there's no realm of vocation that God doesn't have someone in doing the right thing. So enjoy that. Be proud of that. Be a good steward of that. And then you're like, that's a lot. It is if you do it in your own strength. But if Christ is your Lord and Savior, you walk with assurance and confidence wherever he takes you. So whether you're in the Capitol Hill or you've stayed in the palace in Haiti or an ambassador's house in Paris or Saddam's palace or walking through the White House anytime you want, it does, none of that matters. Those are just buildings and sites made by mere men and women who were great at architecture and other things. But let me tell you what, when you walk it all, you're walking in the presence of the Most High King who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always until the end of the earth. That's the confidence and assurance God wants you. So on a bad work day, preach the gospel to yourself. If God's saying it's time to change the present, back to that little analogy of batteries and stuff, don't be afraid. Get excited because it's getting better if you obey. It's only going to get better. I've seen some people, uh, even here, uh, really struggle through something and watch the weight come off of them when the stress of how do I make this change, and it was beautiful. It was like, whoa, they just got younger by two years, just looking at their face. Those are some things that God wants to take care of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.